coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts, we are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, as always, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. It's week 12 here on the DLF Dynasty Podcast, and we're doing what we always do, the most important thing from every single game. But first, we should bring in my cohort. Start here with Ryan. How's it going in week 12, McDowell? Uh, we've survived. I think that's all I can say. Wow, what what a week, a wild week. And uh, we knew it would be a, a little bit of a different week with the the Thanksgiving games, and who knew what to expect these past three or four days. It's Yeah, it's, it's just been unreal. When we were talking about the rules that we were going to write and everything uh, coming into the season to cover all of our bases for everything that could happen, I mean, in a nutshell, Week 12 brought it all with all the different COVID-positive tests and all the all the injury news that popped up throughout the week. And then on top of it, the close contact uh, situation that happened in Denver. Oh, my gosh, it was a mess. Matt? Uh, you're navigating all these waters as well. How's everything going for you? Yeah, it was, uh, like Ryan said, a pretty pretty ridiculous week. Nothing we could have predicted here. Uh, practice squad, squad, squad wide receivers starting at quarterback position, you know. But it's Thanksgiving weekend. It's still a good day of football, a good week of football, and we have things to be thankful for. I like, like being on the show with you two fine gentlemen. So it's good to be back Aww. and uh, watching football. Yeah, it was it was all right. Thanksgiving was a little bit disappointing because we didn't get that night game that was supposed to be yeah. uh, the one good football game of the of the holiday. And uh, because it didn't happen, it left a sour taste in our mouth. And then, as the next few days kind of kind of rolled along, and we got all the news of what was happening in Pittsburgh, and then Denver, and then in Baltimore, over and over again. We should just be grateful to get any football at all, I think, as we move forward. There was a point, I think, that a lot of us as dynasty managers thought, are we going to finish this season? It felt like we're going to make it, and I'm not quite sure anymore. But they pushed through Week 12, and hopefully all of us as dynasty managers as well pushed through and made the right decisions as we went along with with the week as well. Uh, Let's get to these games, guys, because we got a lot of them to get to. No buys in Week 12. Those... 
Uh, those pr- cropped their ugly heads again in week 13. We'll start with those Thanksgiving games, Houston and Detroit. The Texans really bashed the Lions 41-25. to Deshaun Watson was brilliant, 318 yards and four scores. Also added 24 rushing yards. Will Fuller, Ryan, six catches, 171 yards and two scores. He just keeps coming through for us as dynasty managers. Yeah, he really does. And and I think I really feel like Will Fuller's gotten kind of a bad rap in in the dynasty community. I know uh, I know some of our DFS uh, brethren love Will Fuller. They love sticking him in their lineup when they know he's healthy going into the game and and he's kind of a favorite of of that community. But for for dynasty players, we hold that that injury history against him and I think I think we've probably taken that too far. He's just been so good and and really so consistent for Houston this year. He's given us three wide receiver one games including uh, this week, three wide receiver two games, two games as a wide receiver three. He's had either a touchdown or 80 yards in nine out of his 11 games, including his big game on Thanksgiving. So I know the next time I uh, do a, an in-depth ranking uh, rankings update, he'll be moving up my list. I like how you said that, Ryan, that it, it's been kind of unfair and, and how he, he we should see him in a different light because I was one of those dynasty managers and, and one of those people that analyzed these players from a distance thinking, you just can't trust him. I'll never have him on a roster of mine. I bought him for the first time this past offseason because he was so cheap, and I'm so glad I did buy him when when I could get him. Uh, what, what's kind of looming, hanging over our heads when it comes to Fuller's long-term value is where he's going to play football, Ryan. He's a free agent after the season. Now there's, there's ways for Houston to retain him, obviously, either, either with a short contract that like a franchise tag would bring or by re-signing him long-term. But because we don't know where he's going to be, that, that maybe casts a little bit of a cloud over what his dynasty value should be moving forward. Yeah, that's definitely fair, and, and it has to be a concern because we know Houston tried to trade him just a few weeks ago. Uh, there were reports that they were um, in talks with the Packers and, and couldn't agree on a deal, but uh, it, it seems like in most cases, once a situation goes there where where trade talks almost become public, that that's a pretty obvious sign that the player is, is eventually going to move on. So... We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. Now it's, it's likely going to be his choice uh, via free agency. Hopefully he gets attached to another quarterback that's willing to push the ball down the field. That's uh, like Deshaun Watson has proven in his time in Houston that he's willing to do because, man, Fuller looks good in those over-the-shoulder catches. And then even on those catch-and-run opportunities that he gets, he, he made the most of them against the Lions, 6 for 171-2. and two. On the other side of things, Matthew Stafford, 295 yards and a touchdown pass, also threw a pick. TJ Hawkinson had a strong performance, 5 for 89. Adrian Peterson scored two rushing touchdowns, so those of us that needed him, at least he got that. Matt, you uh, have been focused on rookie wide receiver Quintez Cephas for the Detroit Lions. Just two catches, but caught both of his targets for 27 yards. But he's a guy that you're still monitoring. 
Yeah, he's somebody that I still want to add where 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 I can, and I think I can most most places unless somebody is really tied to them. Uh, the interesting thing about Cephas, especially, I think, is heading into twenty twenty one, he's going to be the only wide receiver under contract entering the offseason. Galladay, you assume they're going to try to resign, but he's going to be expensive. Uh, Marvin Jones, old, he's probably not going to be back. Danny Amendola, old, not going to be back. Sanu, old, probably not going to be back. Even Marvin Hall and uh, Jamal Agnew are are both are un- unrestricted free agents for 2021 so uh, uh after this season that's it for C- that's all we have is cephas obviously they're going to bring in bring in others but i think cephas with the with, with being there you know having a year of experience under the belt uh is going to be good for whoever they bring in at coach you mentioned dan on the show sheet how is a patricia patricia firing going to affect detroit playmakers i don't know if it really does De- De- uh, Derek bevel is still there as the offensive coordinator now interim head coach so i don't think much is changing from an offense perspective so you know you have to think that he's probably gone in the offseason they're going to bring in a whole new staff but if he's not there's a little bit of continuity there as well with with Cephas yeah I think long term going back to Cephas first of all he's that contested ball catcher not a lot of speed but a big bodied guy that likes to go up above the rim and make the catch at its highest point so there are things to like about him he like I said does not have the speed though so he has to he has to win among the defenders really he's done that in spots from time to time for the Lions this year I was kind of hoping with Galladay missing so much time that he'd get more of an opportunity but he's still kind of in a log jam on that depth chart as far as Patricia goes guys and Ryan I want to bring you in on this as well I'm thinking more long term uh a lot of us breathe a sigh of relief when Patricia was fired and he was let go because maybe that gets some of these playmakers, uh, Galladay, Stafford, Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift as well, out of the shadow of Matt Patricia and this offense that has just been been in the in the gutter really, hasn't really been set free all season. Do you see them going with one of the bright new minds on offense after trying the defensive guy? And if so, how, what, what, where's the, is the sky the limit when it comes to these offensive playmakers? Um, a lot to, a lot to look at there. We weren't the only ones that were, were happy about that move for sure. As we saw, um, it felt like over a dozen Detroit Lions players or former players, uh, sounding off after that move. So sometimes you'll see, uh, maybe that one player that, that you know doesn't get along with the coaching staff uh, react when things like that happen. But um, it, it was multiple players and it, it became really clear if we didn't have it figured out already that players did not like this coaching staff or at least their head coach. So that alone tells me we can expect um, an increase in production in general from the players that we're really looking at. And like Matt kind of said earlier, it, we just don't know if they're even going to be in Detroit, uh, looking mainly at Kenny Galladay. And, and there's even been uh, rumors that Matthew Staff- they could part ways with Matthew Stafford and, and just totally start fresh. I don't really see that happening, but um, I, guess, I guess anything's an option. I certainly do expect them to look for one of these uh, young uh, potential head coaches. There seem to be a se- uh, several out there with uh, Joe Brady, Eric Bieniemy, and and there's always – a couple of guys in the college ranks that that are prospective coaches. So uh, there, there's going to be some good options, and, and really DeAndre Swift is, is kind of the player we care most about, and I think he's shown his upside already. So I, I think there's reason to be excited for sure about those guys. Yeah, first Swift needs to get healthy, get back on the field, hopefully after the long, uh, the maybe extended off 
the, the extended break after the Thursday game will offer offer him a chance to get on the field next week and show what he can do once again. Let's move on to the Washington football team and their uh, handling of the Cowboys, 41-16. to It was all Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin in this one. Gibson, 20 carries for 115 yards and three rushing touchdowns, five for 21 through the air. And then Terry McLaurin, seven for 92 once again, coming through for dynasty managers everywhere. That Washington offense, guys, Antonio Gibson really had his coming out party. I know he's had some really nice games or some solid games at the very least, but Gibson was dynamic into the fourth quarter. It felt like the more you handed him the ball, the more dynamic he was. He was busting off big runs in the fourth quarter and perhaps showed himself as a full-time type running back, a guy that can handle that big workload over 20 carries for the first time in his career, 25 total touches, and just looked sharp throughout the game. I, I loved what I saw from Antonio Gibson throughout that ball game. When it comes to the Cowboys side of things, Amari Cooper, he had six catches for 112 yards and a touchdown, Ryan. He was productive again, which is a sign of things to come, hopefully, for those of us who are leaning on Cooper week in and week out. Yeah, Cooper, to me, is just uh, has become one of the most undervalued players in Dynasty. And um, coming into the season, we looked at C.D. Lamb and, and even Michael Gallup and, and used that as a, those guys as a reason to... Uh, to avoid uh, Amari Cooper or to move him down in the rankings. The same thing happened with all of those players when Dak Prescott got hurt. But Cooper has really been uh, the consistent piece in that offense. Uh, I was looking at, at his numbers in the games with Dak Prescott. We're talking about five games this season. 17.8 fantasy points per game. Obviously not performing at uh, that high of a level without Dak, uh, considering who they've had at quarterback. But still, 14.5 fantasy points per game, even with Ben DiNucci and Andy Dalton and uh, and all the, who else? Garrett Gilbert and everybody they've run through there since the Dak Prescott injury. So, uh, to me, Cooper is a, an easy player to target in Dynasty. Yeah, for sure. And still has maybe the black eye of those bad performances without a uh, quarterback behind center that could deliver the football. There's still an opportunity for those that don't have a, a trade deadline or maybe haven't reached it just yet. Maybe it's this week for to, to scoop in there and get, get Cooper uh, right before the deadline. Ezekiel Elliott, 10 carries, 32 yards, just one catch in the ballgame. Kind of disappointing against a tough defense after a good showing a week ago for Zeke. Uh, the Browns, let's get to the Sunday games. They squeaked past the Jacksonville Jaguars, 27-25, to behind Nick Chubb, 19 carries, 144 yards and a score. Also caught three balls, so Chubb managers like to see that. Uh, Jarvis Landry had one of his nicest games of the year, eight catches, 143 yards and a score. So uh, for those of you that stuck with Jarvis Landry, it paid off in week 12. Baker Mayfield was efficient, 258, two touchdowns, didn't throw an interception. On the other side of things for the Jaguars, Mike Glennon, 234 and two. James Robinson did his thing, 22 for 128 and a score, also caught five passes. And then Matt LaVisca Chenault, three catches for 31 yards, six rushing yards. He's been lurking there. He's, he's not really popped like some of these other rookie wide receivers, but still a guy we should be keeping an eye on. 
Yeah, something I've been thinking about the last few weeks and something I, I think I actually heard on uh, on Ryan's other podcast, Locked On Dynasty, maybe last week or the week before, talking about looking at some of these NFL teams that don't have a quarterback uh, from the perspective of, of what they might look like once they have a Justin Fields or, or, or a, a Trevor Lawrence on there. So I guess specifically at this moment, talking about the Jags and the Jets and the Jaguars, you know, if they end up with a, with a guy like Justin Fields, at quarterback, we just have to start looking at all of these guys from in a different light, right? We've We've suffered through Gardner Minshew and, and Jake Luton and now uh, Mike Glennon, right? And, you know, a decent day, I guess, and it's been a first start in a long time for Mike Glennon. But obviously he's not not the answer anywhere. Um, but, you know, looking at LaVisca Chenault, a reasonably priced receiver, uh, maybe the most reasonably, reasonably priced receiver uh, amongst the rookies uh, uh, of the 2020 class. So somebody we should be looking forward to uh, seeing him with a new quarterback in the future. And I think, like, at, at this point, I think most seconds are going to get it done for him. I don't think you're going to have to pay up first for LaVisca Chanel right now. Unsurprisingly, he hasn't been moved a whole lot in the trade finder uh, over the last few weeks. So um, he's somebody that I want to kick the tires on. If I can get him for a second, I'd like to buy him. Yeah, I like that call. You mentioned the quarterback change, potentially a coaching change as well. Somebody else, some new blood in there might create more opportunities for a guy like LaVisca Chanel to not only get the ball in the passing game, but also as a runner on those end arounds and jet sweeps, those kind of things that LaVisca has looked so good doing early in his career and throughout his time in college. Ryan, the last guy we should talk about here is probably Colin Johnson, the rookie five catches, 96 yards, and a score looked pretty good for the second time this year, really. There were some injuries in in Jacksonville. There were some guys left on the bench here, and Johnson made the most of his opportunity. Yeah, he really did. And, and as you said, it's not the first time that he's done that this year. So uh, because of the injuries, he did get additional playing time and, and played well. And you just look ahead to next year, just similar to what Matt was saying, you expect DJ Chark and, and LaVisca Chenault to be the top two targets for maybe Justin Fields or, or whoever it might be in this, in this new offense. Uh, so, uh, but I think Colin Johnson could be potentially that, that third guy. And right now he's probably on your waiver wire in, in most dynasty leagues. Ryan, I said Johnson was the last guy we'd talk about, but James Robinson, I mentioned his stat line. He's a guy you've been watching closely as well and maybe moving up your rankings. Yeah, I think we have to. And uh, if you listen to the show each week, you know I was hesitant to do that early, uh, earlier in the season. In fact, I think probably all three of us were a little uneasy about him and not quite sold. But uh, even this team that trails double digits almost every single week, he continues to to get it done. I think he's uh, almost a lock to be the starter next year, uh, and that alone gives him quite a bit of value. So um, I think we have to start putting him in that in that same range as uh, some of the other rookie running backs that we liked a little bit more that have disappointed uh, Cam Akers specifically. And, and we'll get to Cam Akers, obviously, with his performance this week. But I like what you said there. Even when the team is down, they're feeding him the football. And he's close to 100% usage out of that backfield every single week. And that just isn't happening in other backfields. We mentioned the possibility that a there could be a coaching change or a coaching change would be expected this offseason. It'll be interesting to see if the new coaching staff uses Robinson like this one does. Uh, changes like that 
often create changes in, in how those players are used. Uh, hopefully it doesn't not if you invested in Robinson and, and are looking at him for long-term value. Uh, the Panthers, they blew what should have been an easy win to the against the Vikings. The Vikings come out on top 28-27 to behind Justin Jefferson. Seven catches for 70 yards and two scores. No Adam Thielen, so Je- Justin Jefferson is the man, Matt, and he came through for all of us. Yeah, and he's somebody that I don't have have nearly enough of. You know, when drafting in that that late first range, I I took Jalen Rager, you know, almost every time. So I have I think I have zero shares of Justin Jefferson. But at this point, I think we have to consider him as the rookie wide receiver one, maybe even over CD Lamb at this point, just based on what he's done. You know, we didn't get the huge yardage day today like we might have expected with Thielen out, but still a, a, a giant game with those two touchdowns. Uh, and and really, what I think the most important maybe thing to take away from this game is is drilling down that absolute value of Justin Justin Jefferson at this point uh, from an overall standpoint, not just when we consider the rookie class. So I just kind of wanted to go down the list with you guys, or if you have a have a have an idea of where you have him, like is he a top ten wide receiver for you guys at this? point? point uh when we're talking about uh the wide receiver position in general and if not like how many guys would you have ahead of him at this point uh i'm, I'm pulling up my rankings now because it is it is so close so yeah i have 10 uh, i have him, I, have, I, have, I have nine i've got him at eight ahead of him right now i've got him at eight overall okay. so uh yeah i definitely think he's in in that top 10 range but honestly the i think you could look at the top 15 and and think that they're all pretty tight uh tightly packed in there together so uh, if whether you have him six or or 12 i don't think there's a huge difference uh, most of those guys feel like they're in the same range to me so i mean specifically i'm talking cd lamb chris godwin mclaurin um yep. dj moore stefan diggs michael thomas amari cooper and juju those are the the players i have in that tier and there's so many talented players in that tier. You didn't even mention all the rookies that Matt was kind of referencing there. There there are a lot of guys that maybe they're a tick below where you might have Justin Jefferson, but they're right on on his heels. And guys that if, if there's the right coaching change, if the quarterback takes a step forward, or if they simply take that second season step forward as well, they can be right there with Justin Jefferson. What's nice about Jefferson in Minnesota is he's the clear two with Adam Thielen, uh, off the on the field, and then when Thielen is off the field, as he was on Sunday against the Panthers, he just takes over as a clear number one. Uh, he was peppered with targets and made the be- most of them. There were there were opportunities to make even bigger plays uh, and have even a bigger line for Justin Jefferson. So the sky's the limit for him, no doubt. We should talk about Delvin Cook, of course. Uh, left the game with an injury, but was seen running on the sideline. May have even returned to the game. I'm not sure if they ran a play with him on the field, but it looks like that, that he maybe sidestepped a bad injury there. Nonetheless, a disappointing effort, really. 18 carries for 61 yards and four catches for 21 against one of the one of the worst defenses in the league when it comes to points given up to the running back position so that hurt a lot of dynasty managers out there other guys in this game Kirk Cousins 307 and 3 that was nice Mike Davis was disappointing uh didn't get over 80 yards from scrimmage Robbie Anderson that was nice four for 94 and a score Curtis Scamiel had five for 72 DJ Moore though Ryan Four catches for 61 should have scored a touchdown that sealed this game late, but Teddy Bridgewater couldn't hit a wide-open receiver if his life depended on it against the Vikings and came down down awkwardly in the end zone after the bad throw. 
Yeah, and, and in this case, that bad throw might have cost them more than just that touchdown as DJ Moore kind of reached and, and jumped for the ball, like you said, awkwardly and, and suffered that injury. Um, right now, it's, it's just a waiting game to see what the uh, official report on that injury is. But um, some of the folks who know a lot more than we do about, about injuries are throwing around a possible Achilles injury. Uh, and if it's, of course, if it's a torn Achilles, not only is he done for the year, but uh, I would, I would think his uh, beginning of 2021 would be potentially in, in jeopardy as well. So uh, that's a big story to watch. Probably by the time you're listening to this, uh, those reports are already out there. Um, it, I mean, if, if more is out, of course, it's, it's Robbie Anderson and, and really even Curtis Samuel uh, for the rest of the way uh, that, that you can stick in your lineup every week. Really sad news overall because DJ Moore, uh, you know, he's been up and down, but has shown those flashes, especially of late, of the brilliance that we saw from his rookie season and then his second season as well. Looked like that guy was coming back. He was going to be a big part of this offense moving forward. And and just to be set back like this, it's tough to watch for sure. Uh, Guys, Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy site on the planet. And Monkey Knife Fight is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with an initial deposit. Open a new account with a minimum of a $10 deposit to Monkey Knife Fight, and you will receive a free DLF annual premium membership. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF membership by a year. So those of you that are already with us, go ahead and head over to monkeyknifefight.com, add that $10 deposit, And not only will you get another year on your subscription, you're also going to double your bankroll because Monkey Knife Fight will double anything you put in that initial deposit up to a maximum of $50. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games with no salary caps, so if you can correctly predict the outcome, you are guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent you from claiming your prize. At Monkey Knife Fight, you're not going to get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate the other fantasy sites. Check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience and claim your deposit match and your free DynastyLeagueFootball.com premium membership only at monkeyknifefight.com. Let's talk about the Patriots and the Cardinals. The Pats won this one 20-17. Big hit to the Cardinals' playoff chances. Cam Newton, 84 yards through the air and two interceptions, 46 rushing yards. Kyler Murray, 170, no touchdowns, a pick. 31 rushing yards between the two quarterbacks, guys. 254 passing yards, no touchdown passes, three interceptions for Newton and Kyler Murray. Guys, I got to ask, we've we've talked about Kyler a lot. Matt, I want your thoughts on this uh, because a few weeks ago you did mention maybe Cam's a a buy, and I I questioned it then. There's a chance that Cam's done. He he may not be a starting quarterback next year. We might have seen the best of him already and probably have. And I'm not sure he's a top 32 quarterback in the league anymore. I I mean, it's getting harder and harder to defend him, right? But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know I mean, looking down the quarterback list, it's still like I still can't get to 32 that I want a- ahead of him. Just even looking at, at my rankings, I mean, unless you're going to start including players that haven't started this year, like if we're going to consider like Tyrod Taylor a starter in 2021, I know we've got some rookies coming in, so we're going to have three or maybe more starters out of that group uh, as early as next year. But still, like it, it's still ugly. It starts getting ugly right around QB 
right around QB 20. I mean, you're, then you were into that Garoppolo, Drew Locke, Jameis Winston, Derek Carr. I mean, I'm sure Carr, Cousins, these guys are probably going to be starters. But the, the, I think the fact is that it's going to be hard to get to 32. So I think he is starting somewhere, even in 2021. Or if he's not starting right away, at least he's competing for a job and will be on a roster, one of those two things. But I really, I really just find it hard to get to 32 starting quarterbacks without including Cam. It's it's so ugly watching him play. He it, he labors to throw the football. Does not appear to it's be not healthy. He's not healthy. To be that's, that's, that's obvious. Right? Is he ever going to be healthy again yeah. though? If if he's not healthy after that break, and and I was a Cam fan just like a lot a lot of you out there watching him run and throw and do all the things that he's done in the past. He's not that same guy anymore. And purely looking at it from a dynasty perspective, he's not a, an asset that is, that's gaining value. He's obviously declining. I think if you can cash in on his name for almost anything, even in super flex leagues, it, it's worth starting to think about that. Ryan, on the other side of things for the Cardinals, Kenyon Drake, 22 carries for 78 yards and scored twice, also caught three passes. He's, he's in control of that backfield once again. Yeah, he really is. Um, I did not see this coming. I think it was probably two or three weeks ago that I said, this is Chase Edmonds' backfield now. Uh, and Edmonds was fine and, and has been fine uh, over the past month or so, but he did not do enough, obviously, to to take the lead role uh, for Arizona. So so Drake is back and uh, is, is playing well. He was a top 12 running back coming into this week over the past two games since he's been back. And uh, those two touchdowns this week will – uh, will help him maintain that status. So uh, not only is he in control of the Arizona backfield, but uh, the way they're playing, even even in this kind of disappointing game, um, he's he's a weekly fantasy starter once again. Yeah, he's a weekly fantasy starter and certainly a guy that can help down the stretch throughout our fantasy playoffs. But he's done very little to make me think he's a he's clearly the the 2021 option that the Cardinals should should want in their backfield full time. Uh, he's, he's inconsistent averages under four yards of carry regularly is, is clearly not the best pass catcher in that backfield. And you mentioned chase Edmonds, uh, while he didn't do enough with, with his opportunity as the starter, he looks like a guy that is better as the backup as the change of pace and comes in here and there. I think if anybody's getting replaced in that backfield, it's probably Drake and chase Edmonds continues to, to play second fiddle to whoever is the top, top of the depth chart guy in that Cardinals backfield. Yeah, I still agree with all that. And, um, and, I would be taking this opportunity still to sell Drake where a few weeks ago I thought he basically had no value. Uh, now he does, especially if uh, you can find a contender that, that has that hole at, at running back. And, and we pretty much all do the way things are going the past <laughs> past couple of weeks and really the past few days. Uh, so, so he'll have some value. I mean, even if you're taking two seconds, uh, I still feel good about that. Yeah, I like that as well. The Dolphins, they handled the Jets 20-3 to on Sunday. Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, he, he was efficient, which is not always the case with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I was expecting that fourth quarter interception that got the Jets back in the game, but it didn't happen. 257 yards and two scores didn't turn the ball over. Devontae Parker uh, made some plays, eight catches for 119. 
uh, in the air. And then Denzel Mims on the other side, four catches for 67 on eight targets. He looks the part of a potential long-term asset for dynasty managers everywhere. Ryan, you liked what Ryan Fitzpatrick had to do for that Dolphins team as far as from a, from a pure football perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to. They they got the win. Obviously, we're talking about the, facing the worst team in football. But I think back to just the way this season has set up for Miami. They going into their bye week, they're looking like playoff contenders. They make the move to two with the, the timing being a little surprising. And then coming off that bye, they, they face the Rams, one of the toughest defenses in the league. And even though they won that game, from a, a player level for Tua, it just felt like he was being thrown to the wolves and he, he didn't put up big numbers. We know he was, he was benched last week. They uh, made a point of saying he was not benched for injury or, or did not leave the game for injury, but because of performance uh, yet he, he doesn't play this week either with, with this thumb injury. So uh, I'm, I'm just starting to wonder if we even see Tua the rest of the season, as long as, they're in playoff contention, and uh, at seven and four, they are right, right in the thick of things. Yeah, they are. And you mentioned Tua maybe not getting that job back. That that might be the best thing for dynasty managers, especially those of us that have Devonte Parker and want to plug him in as a wide receiver two or wide receiver three in this playoff run. Also, Mike Gesicki, who caught a touchdown on Sunday, he becomes a more viable tight end target uh, to to put in our starting lineups as well. Matt, your thoughts on this situation? It's uh it's it's really confusing because you would think they would want to want to see what they have from him, right? We had these rumors several weeks ago of, you know, maybe he's not even the guy next year. You know, maybe they're going to move on from Tua after one year, and this is not going to help them make that decision. So they're kind of ju- have this juggling act where do we want to make the playoffs or do we want to find out about our quarterback, right? So I think I, I think for me, this actually makes Tua feel a little bit more secure, uh, you know, if he continued to start and played badly, then maybe they they for some reason do have reason to to decide to move on from him. But right now, if they're they're really pushing this playoff uh, uh, hopes, then they're going to run with Fitzpatrick because he obviously gives them the best chance to win right now. I think so. Despite this plan that they had earlier in the season, like you know, they they said basically after the bye week two was going in, so they 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 went out and they did that. I don't know if that was an agreement with with somebody within the organization or what, but they tried it and it wasn't working from a winning standpoint. So uh, I'm. Still, I still like Tua. I think we all still like Tua. I'm not worried about him, despite this this recent uh, development with Fitzpatrick. And if we don't see him the rest of the year, maybe it's maybe it's better for his long term value anyway. That's the thing, though. It, it was working from a winning standpoint. They were three and zero in Tua starts. They they faced the Broncos, and uh, who knows what went wrong in that in that game? I mean, Tua certainly didn't do anything to help them win, but uh, Fitzpatrick didn't either. And, and then they get the Jets, which was a layup win. They they could have easily transitioned back to Tua right. in this game. And, I mean, I'm just not buying the thumb injury, honestly. So th- they could have gone back to Tua, uh, given him basically an easy win and, and set him up for the rest of the season. But they didn't do that. That's that's what has me worried that we don't, uh, we don't see him next week or, or maybe for the next few weeks, maybe the rest of the season. Either way, they're – 
it's clear that Ryan Fitzpatrick makes those weapons in that yeah. Dolphins offense more viable for all of us in fantasy. So there is a silver lining to not seeing Tua for the rest of the season, if that's the case. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe Tua comes back a week from now and he's back in that starting lineup. But I'm just as concerned as you are, Ryan. It seems like there's the writing on the wall. Uh, how about uh, Sam Darnold, Matt? Because he I- he struggled in this one, 197 yards. No touchdowns, two picks, but maybe he's got a future. Yeah, I, I, again, the, you go down this list of starting quarterbacks, and it gets ugly right around quarterback twenty. Uh, so Darnold probably not going to be back on the Jets next season, especially if Trevor Lawrence uh, it, it gets drafted there, which we all assume is going to happen. Uh, but you know, I, I think he could be a starter somewhere, and we've seen the Gase effect work for other players. I don't necessarily see why it couldn't work for Darnold. He, he, despite the two interceptions today, you know, he had some nice throws in there too, and I think he, we've we know that he've all, he's always had that arm talent. So uh, right now, uh, we were we I've been recommending buying him basically since last offseason didn't think his price could really get any cheaper than it was then and I think it maybe actually has somehow so any second round pick right now you know in a super flex draft you're not going to get a a, a starting quarterback at least one that you're going to be starting anytime soon in that second round so especially if you're a contender and you can send a late second round pick for Darnold to maybe set yourself up maybe you're dealing with some of these old quarterbacks whether it's Brady or Breeze or Roethlisberger you know they're kind of piecing it together right now like I am in a couple of leagues this is kind of a way to set up your future more uh, from from a cheap standpoint because you're obviously not going to have a shot at one of those top quarterbacks as a contender and like I said you're not going to get a, a starting rookie quarterback uh, with your mid to late second round pick anyway so I think taking a shot on Darnold right now and seeing what happens uh, in the future is is worth it. It'd be such a Bill Belichick thing to do to make the playoffs with Cam Newton and then somehow get Sam Darnold from the Jets and then make the playoffs with him and he and he's a useful quarterback once again, something like that. I could see it happening. I like Darnold coming out and I think there's the potential for him to be an asset for us as dynasty managers for sure. So I like that advice. Let's transition over to the Falcons and the Raiders. The Falcons just destroyed Las Vegas 43-6. to And even though they scored those 43 points, nobody for the Falcons really went off. Matt Ryan threw two touchdowns, but only 185 passing yards. Kelvin Ridley caught six for 50 in a score, so that was fine. Outside of that, Edo Smith with 65 rushing yards. It was supposed to be Brian Hill, but that didn't happen. Uh, Hayden Hurst, four for 48. He didn't get into the end zone. Um, I can't believe the, the Atlanta Falcons, without Julio, score 43 points. And they they really don't do anything as far as explode for for dynasty managers. Ryan, it was it was kind of an ugly forty three points. It really was a, a lot of field goals. Um, uh, it, at least one defensive touchdown in there, uh, and yeah, just just a pretty ugly game to come away with forty three points. Uh, for the most part, I was I was disappointed and frustrated with Matt Ryan. This was a a great spot for him to bounce back. Uh, but he struggled just just kind of an average game 185 mm-hmm. yards two passing scores and one interception he and he continues to uh, play poorly without Julio Jones that's that's pro- probably pretty obvious when you're missing uh one of the best wide receivers in the league you're not going to put up the same the same type of numbers but in Matt Ryan's case this year it's a drastic difference i believe this was the third or fourth game that Julio has missed uh, in games where Julio's out, Matt Ryan's giving us 11.5 fantasy points per game. 
Uh, when Julio's in there, that doubles up to 23 fantasy points per game. So uh, obviously a huge difference there. Um, I, I already saw one report that Julio Jones is not a sure thing to return next week. Um, so we have we have to consider that if you're counting on Matt Ryan um, going into uh, getting close to the fantasy playoffs. On the other side of things, Henry Ruggs, three catches, Ryan, for 56 yards. He showed a little bit of life. Yeah, finally. Uh, and, and this was the matchup to do it against the Falcons. Um, had had that long, pretty long catch, uh, almost turned it in to a long touchdown. Uh, we, he just needs to get more targets, and I, I think that'll come. Certainly some disappointment with his role in the offense and his production this season, but I think he's – uh, he's a great buy low target in dynasty. I've, I've seen some people saying they're, that's their plan this off season to target him. Uh, I mean, if, if you've played dynasty for long, you know, the thing, you know how it works. Those young players really, no matter what their rookie stat line looks like are going to gain value and going to cost more in the off season. So if you want Henry Ruggs, if you want Brian Edwards, make those offers right now. Don't wait until January or February. Yeah, Matt mentioned earlier, earlier LaVisca Chenault is a buy target, a guy that you might be able to get for a second-round pick. Ruggs is right in that conversation as well, and that'd be a steal in my opinion. I, I invested a lot into him last offseason, and I'll be trying to get him anywhere I didn't last year in this coming offseason. Uh, the Bills, they beat the Jets, or excuse me, the Chargers. The Jets didn't lose two times this Sunday. Uh, the Bills, Bills won 27-17. to 17. Uh, Austin Eckler had his return, Ryan. He had 14 carries for 44 yards, so kind of ho-hum there. But 11 catches in PPR for 85, 85 yards. That Man, he's, he's just a machine out of that backfield. It was great to see. Um, there was there was some doubt even uh, even yesterday that uh, that Eckler would even play, and then we got the word that Kalen Balage was was ruled out for this game. So uh, basically, Eckler basically meant Eckler was back into that full time role, and uh, he he handled it very well. Fourteen of the twenty two. Uh, rush attempts he handled, and then not only eleven catches, but sixteen targets um, on the day for for eighty five yards. He's he's just going to carry teams uh, into the playoffs and and possibly to championships. Yeah, Justin Herbert, who had been carrying the Chargers, three hundred sixteen yards, but just the one touchdown, also threw a pick, and Keenan Allen. Another guy who's been carrying dynasty managers everywhere, just four catches for 40 yards, but luckily got into the end zone, Matt. These Chargers playmakers, really, they're they're all coming through week in and week out, and some of them from time to time coming through with just massive games. Yeah, and the, the, the great part about them, I think, is that, they, that none of them are going to cost top dollar. You know, when you look at their rankings or, or where they fit into tiers amongst their position groups, whether you're talking about Eckler or Allen or uh, I guess Herbert is the one is the one that is obviously in that upper tier, right? But he's the reason why I want to buy all these guys. They're all going to be back next season. Uh, and, you know, we talked before we started recording, Dan, you said it's time to move on from Anthony Lynn. If that happens, if we get an offensive 
Carolina head coach in there. I think you know one one of the hot the hot prospects for head coaching next year is going to be Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator from the Chiefs. Maybe he wants to move on to another young quarterback like Justin Herbert. So uh, all of these guys, like, except for Herbert, are still reasonably priced, and you know they're all going to be back for 2021. So you'll have that continu- continuity despite uh, a new coach coming in if that should happen. So uh, because of their price tag, I think all of these guys and the effect that Herbert's going to have on them are, are, are very good buys right now. On the other side of things with the Bills, the winning team in this game, Josh Allen, 157 yards and a touchdown, also threw a pick, but nine carries for 52 yards and a rushing score. He did limp off and miss a few plays, but came back. Uh, man, he's, he's even when he can't, he doesn't come through in the passing game, he adds that rushing production, another 9.2 points on the ground to save his day for fantasy. He did it once again against the Chargers. The Giants outlasted the Bengals 19-17. to Daniel Jones, Ryan, 213 yards early in the game. Things were going his way, but had a rush midway through the third quarter, came up awkwardly, only played a couple plays after that, and was replaced by Colt McCoy. Jones is an odd guy because we he, he's so up and down and there's times when you when you think there's no way this guy survives in New York and other times where it feels like he's turned the corner early this season he really struggled lots of fumbles lots of turnovers here of late he's looked a little bit better kind of like he did late in his rookie season and now an injury is going to set him back yeah it sounds like he is going to miss time uh, at least a couple of games with that injury that's the the early word and um you know we we bash these quarterbacks Daniel Jones or Andy Dalton or I mean Josh Allen has has been uh, the butt of a joke plenty of times as well but but then when we see the backups like Colt McCoy we we really get a look at uh at what you know, bad quarterback play can look like and, and how it impacts the, the pass catchers, especially, but really the entire offense. So uh, you probably weren't starting Daniel Jones on a weekly basis. Uh, certainly in one quarterback leagues, you weren't. And, and maybe, maybe you weren't really starting any of those giants offensive players. But uh, I, I think if, if Jones misses time, it's, it's going to be tough to use Evan Ingram, even though he had a nice game uh, today, it's going to be tough to use, Slayton or, or Tate or Shepard or any of these guys, really. Yeah, Slayton, who took the goose on Sunday. That was yeah. ugly. Wayne Gallman did come through, 24 carries, 94 yards and a touchdown, also caught three passes. Evan Ingram, you mentioned his stat line, six catches for 129 yards. That is the Evan Ingram, Matt, that we <laughs> thought was a high-end tight end one over the last few years. They actually ran him on vertical routes, gave him over-the-shoulder catches, and he came through. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Uh, okay, that, I just, that's enough. If that's how you want to leave it, that's all right. I mean, I just, I mean, Matt's as been you, burned you guys, too many times. I, it's true. I have been burned so many times. You got to jump back a, on board. It might be coming. I still have a few shares and places sleeper. here and there, but you know, it's what he's what feels like one of those guys wait five minutes and you might feel differently, right? Yeah, yeah, that could be. I just like how they've used him the last yeah. few weeks. They're actually running him vertically. He's a seam stretcher, not that guy that runs five yards and turns around and catches catches comebackers and and uh, quick out routes and things like that like they were using him early in the year. Uh, I like that they're using him vertically in the passing game. T. Higgins on the other side of things, he was really the only, uh, really the lone bright spot for the Bengals. Five catches for 44 yards, but did catch that late touchdown. So a little bit of production there, even though we didn't expect it. 
with the backup quarterback under center for the Bengals. Hey guys, since we have all of you, and since you're all obviously DLF supporters, we wanted to mention that we at DynastyLeagueFootball.com are currently running our annual Black Friday Cyber Week sale right now through February, or excuse me, Friday, December 4th. You can get a full year of DLF premium access for 25% off the normal price. That's just $29.99 for industry-leading analysis, rankings, tools, and a community from the most experienced Dynasty site on the planet. With over 30 analytics tools and the most comprehensive and informative Dynasty trade analyzer in the business and the best Dynasty rankings anywhere, this is an incredible value that will pay dividends all year long. So don't miss out on this chance to get the best deal of the year on the best Dynasty site on the planet. Just go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com slash sale for more information and to get your full year of DLF premium access at the rock bottom low price of $29.99. Once again, that's DynastyLeagueFootball.com slash sale or just click on the Black Friday banner ad on the DLF site. Let's talk about the Titans and the Colts. The Titans cruised 45 to 26 behind Derrick Henry, 27 carries 178 yards and three touchdowns, and they didn't even really need him in the second half. Also caught two passes for seven yards, so that's a that's a tick in the right direction, catching a couple passes on top of it in PPR, right, Matt? Yeah. Uh, I actually came on here, like, <laughs> I actually came, when I came to the show sheet, and I, I thought, man, it's, it's time to sell Derrick Henry if you're not competing. I'm, I'm sure there are some teams out there that, that aren't somehow with them, you know, whether – uh, have issues throughout the rest of their team with COVID and all that. Um, but don't do it, you know, Matt. You, but you don't go sell. and you look. But you you go and you look, and he's just really not returning value, you guys. Like so, I don't really know. I guess you just keep keep holding on, and and, and you just kind of ride him into the sunset. Right? He's one of these guys. Is not somebody that I really want to do that with. If I'm not competing this year, you feel like you should be able to get a mint for him based on his upcoming playoff schedule. What we know he does in December, uh, but it's just not happening in the DLF trade finder. The one trade that I would do in a second and I'm pretty sure everybody would that I did see in a in a in a, in a super flex league was Henry for Justin Herbert straight up that was the one that I, I would absolutely do and I'm sure you guys would as well the other one that I thought was interesting was was Jerry Judy and uh, it looks like a mid first round pick that seems like a nice return but other than that you guys like he's we're not really getting any value from him. Ronald Jones, Kenny Galladay and two thirds. Like, is that enough to give up Henry? I don't, I don't really think so. Uh, You know, Dobbins who I love, but Dobbins a four, a third round pick and a fourth round pick for Derrick Henry. I don't really see that happening uh, unless you are just, you know, a bottom of the barrel. Like you, you have no hope for next year or this year or next year, you know, maybe that's a deal you make, but he's not returning the value. It's kind of like what we thought last off season coming off of, of his huge 2019. You think you should be able to get a lot for him, but he's just not, carrying that kind of value in the dynasty community so uh I, I think you have to keep holding the titans use him like like a like a true workhorse back yeah, yeah. and he signed a four-year contract I'm, I'm riding it you said ride him into the sunset i'm gonna ride him into the end zone for, <laughs> for multiple multi-touchdown games down the stretch here and for the next three years in tennessee matt if the price is so low shouldn't we be buying then uh, you would, you would think would you so, go? but 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 I don't really. But I mean, on the on the flip side, do you want to give up J.K. Dobbins and anything for Henry? I I don't really. And if you're if, a fringe playoff team yeah. and that would put you over the top, that's the type of deal that I'm all right with. I, I will say, just earlier today, I had a question on Twitter, and the person said, "Should I give Saquon Barkley for Derrick Henry if I think it wins me a title?" And I said, "Yes." 
Absolutely. If you think it wins you a title, yeah, you have to go for it. That's now, the if you don't win, the, if you don't win that title, you're you're, you know, they're you're going to regret it, obviously. But um, yeah, if, if he's the difference between a championship or not, uh, then then I think you make a move like that. And uh, obviously, that's a much steeper price than the ones that the trades you were throwing out. So. Right. Um, most of my leagues do have a trade deadline, unfortunately, because uh, you're making me think I should have thrown out some offers for Derrick Henry. Yeah, it seems like a buying opportunity for those of you that can, especially with those prices that you mentioned and the schedule that you've talked about over the last couple of weeks, Matt. He's going to carry, literally carry people to, to fantasy championships this year. It certainly feels that way anyway. The Saints beat the quarterbackless Broncos 31-3. to We're not even going to comment on what the NFL did to the Denver Broncos guys because that was ridiculous. Let's talk about what the Saints did do. Latavius Murray, 19 carries, 123 yards, and two scores. Taysom Hill was pretty much a running back again. 10 carries, 44 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Also threw for 78 passing yards and a pick. And then Alvin Kamara, uh, 11 carries, 54 yards. Didn't find the end zone, but most importantly, just one catch for negative two receiving yards. Just not a pass catcher once again this week, guys. Three targets in the last two games. We talked about how Henry can carry people to Dynasty Championships. Alvin Kamara was supposed to receive people to dynasty championships and it's not going to happen as long as Taysom Hill is under center. Yeah, it's really not. And it's pretty, pretty disappointing. Uh, I think moving forward, Michael Thomas is, is the only automatic starter from this lineup. Uh, We talked about it last week. He had over a 50% market share last week, Uh, this week, just 16 pass attempts by Taysom Hill and Michael Thomas saw six of those. So not quite that, that 50% mark, but uh, still certainly saw the bulk of the work as a receiver. And I'm just, I'm not even sure as crazy as it sounds that Kamara is a, is a weekly starter with Taysom Hill in the lineup. I'm depressed. That's depressing. (laughs) It's ridiculous because watching the saints offense is, is so frustrating because as a, as a, Drew Brees fan for years. I I watched that guy go through progressions down the field. You can see him looking over his face mask, really, and trying to see over that offensive line. And then all of a sudden, sling his body around and flip it over to Kamara, who breaks three tackles and gets the first down. And you just expect a guy wearing that Saints white uniform and that gold helmet to do the same thing. But Taysom, instead of doing that, ducks down and gets the four or five yards that he can rushing the ball. I'm thinking long-term, guys. What does this do? Because we all know what Sean Payton thinks of Taysom Hill. He has that man crush. He thinks he's an NFL starting quarterback. If that's the case a year from now in 2021 and Taysom Hill is under center for 16 games, is this what we're going to see for an entire season out of perhaps the best running back in football? I just think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves after two games, two games where the saints, you know, relatively had the game under control and they didn't really need to do a whole lot. And Latavius Murray Murray was running hot. I just, I'm not, I'm not sure we get into a game situation where they need Kamara to be Kamara that he doesn't show up, which, you know, makes him maybe a questionable start on a week to week basis. But in terms of his ultimate ceiling, I think it's still there. We just have to get into a game script where they need him to do that. And they haven't done that yet. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not convinced. I don't think this is an overreaction. I think it's just a reaction. They're they're not using using him in the passing game. He's not getting those checkdowns, and I don't see him coming down the road. It's it's something to be worried about down the stretch of this season, and for sure going into 2021, in my opinion, if Kamara or excuse me, if Taysom Hill is the full time quarterback. The other thing to mention out of this game, probably from a Denver perspective, Ryan is is Philip Lindsay. He got hurt. What does that do for that Denver offense? Well, first of all, you just hope that um, for the Broncos' sake that they're kind of back to normal in week 13 with with Drew Locke under center and and the offense working as it as it should. Um, but uh, yeah, Phil Lindsay suffered a knee injury, was ruled out pretty quickly, so that's that's probably not good news and uh, would just seem to be a boost for Melvin Gordon. Depending on Melvin Gordon is does not feel good, though. No. Putting him in your lineup is not what you want to do every week. <laughs> Hopefully it is the boost that we need. At the very least, he'll continue to get those goal line touches if those if those do come down the road. Uh, the 49ers outlasted the Rams 23-20, to 20, Matt. Cam Akers, nine carries, 84 yards, had the big run, and also got to cap that drive off with a touchdown. He looked pretty good, although it's it sucked that he got caught from behind on that big run. Yeah, it it really did. That was disappointing. It would have been nice if he had been able to cap that drive uh, and really kind of kind of put a stamp on the day. But I still think it, it's pretty obvious watching them, all three of the backs on the field that he is the most talented of those three. It's just is, is McVay ever going to give them the opportunity to be that to be that guy? You know, and maybe it's next year. Malcolm Brown, I believe, is gone. I have to double check that, but I think he is. Obviously, Henderson is still going to be there. And with those two players, you know, it's it's been back and forth all season long. I think we have to attribute a little bit of that to. Uh, you know, kind of Akers losing his momentum early in the season with that injury after he started off looking pretty good. So uh, I still want to buy him. I still think he's the cheapest of all of these rookie running backs. We mentioned, Ryan mentioned earlier, we have to consider him uh, being behind James Robinson at this point. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, uh, but I still want to buy Akers. And I think his price is still pretty reasonable uh, in the trade finder, uh, David Montgomery and Tyler Boyd for Akers and Hawkinson. That seems like a smash all day. Uh, I don't just tell me what you think about this one. This one is pretty interesting, especially given how I know you feel about Mike Evans, Dan, Mike Evans straight up for cam makers. Yeah. Give me cam. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't know if I would, I would say that necessarily, but, but there are a bunch of reasonable trades that are happening in the trade finder acres and a late first and a late third uh, uh, given to the Tyler, Tyler Lockett owner straight up. So I I think there are ways to get him on your roster that aren't going to break the bank. Uh, And like I said, he's the cheapest of these rookie running backs. And I think we want them uh, uh, considering what we have coming into the league in the next couple of years, where we have two, maybe three exciting running backs coming in next year. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, And then 2022 doesn't look as, 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 as uh, great as 2020 did either. So I think now is the time to get uh, a young running back on your team, if that's what you're trying to do. And I think we're probably all trying to do that at this point. So acres, I think the price is right for him. Yeah. I say that tongue in cheek, of course, with cam acres, uh, if you got <laughs> Evans, you probably want to shop him for a little bit more than that at this point. But, but I, I hear what you're, what you're laying out there with acres and his long-term value that still exists. And we get those flashes, those moments. And one of those happened on Sunday when he had that breakaway run, finally getting the opportunity. I'm, I'm glad they let him cap off the, that, that drive. They let him uh, continue to carry the ball, but 
that was it then. We didn't see him yeah. the next drive once again. Why wasn't he on the field after the big play? Speaking of big plays, Raheem Mostert has had a lot of those this year. Debo Samuel has had a lot for the 49ers as well, Ryan. They came through for dynasty managers everywhere uh, in this game against the Rams. Yeah, the 49ers had, had really been struggling the, the last few weeks. Obviously, tons of injuries uh, to, to their entire team with – uh, with Garoppolo and Kittle out, multiple running backs and, and receivers out as well. So uh, to get Mostert and Debo Samuel back in the game, uh, back in the lineup was a big boost for them. They get the they get the win to kind of keep their season alive somewhat. And I, I think we can go right back to using Mostert and, and Debo in our fantasy lineups uh, down the stretch. Yeah, on a weekly basis, one guy you could, shouldn't put in on your week on a weekly basis is Jared Goff, 198 yards and two interceptions, didn't throw a touchdown once again. He is he is so erratic when he can't just stand in the pocket and deliver the ball on time when his coaching that offensive coaching staff isn't creating open players for him. He can't do it by himself. Uh, Robert Woods, seven for 80. So he came through at least to some extent. Cooper Cup was disappointing. Mm-hmm. Five targets, just caught two of them for 41 yards in the loss for the Rams. The Chiefs barely squeaked by the Buccaneers, 27 to 24. Patrick Mahomes, 462 yards and three touchdowns. Tyreek caught 13 of 15 targets for 269 yards. And all three of those Patrick Mahomes touchdowns. And Kelsey, eight Catches for 82 yards. Didn't get in the end zone in this one. I wanted to see him throw that touchdown to Mahomes so, so bad. <laughs> uh, for the Buccaneers, Gronk, seven, or excuse me, six catches, 106 yards. Matt, he certainly looks good and looks like a playmaker down the stretch. Yeah, and in a position where we we have Travis Kelsey, like you mentioned, and basically nobody else, maybe Gronk is emerging as a reasonable target for contending teams. Uh, again, if he's if he was maybe picked up, you know, he was a waiver wire player in a lot of leagues uh, before he he decided to come back, right? So there's a chance that one of these more active uh, teams that we're not competing just has him sitting on the roster waiting for the right time to move him. And obviously now is the right time coming off of a big game. And even that, I think he's going to be reasonably priced. I mean, I can't imagine he's going to cost more than a more than your late second as a contender and it, 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 obviously a very different scenario than Derrick Henry but you know if you don't have a tight end uh, and, and a tight end is what's going to put you over the top it probably isn't but, but I think Grog could be one of those guys as we go very good schedule uh, for tight ends uh, for the last uh, three weeks he does have a bye next week uh, obviously uh, which is annoying for, for, for leagues that where the playoffs are, are starting in week 13 uh, but for all the traditional leagues that start in week 14 you know this kind of might be your last chance to get an impactful tight end for the for the run and a good playoff schedule for him in weeks 14 to 16 other Buccaneers worth mentioning include Tom Brady went over 300 yards through the three touchdowns but threw two really bad picks two of those touchdowns went to Mike Evans he went three for 50 in the two scores but nine targets in that ball game and did not seem to be on the same page as Tom Brady and then Ronald Jones went over 100 scrimmage yards and scored a touchdown in the passing game Ryan, we saved it for for last, really, because he's been your guy for so long. But Tyreek, he he could have broke the NFL record for receiving yards in a game if they really wanted him to. 
Yeah, he, he's obviously one of the, the most fun players to watch in the league because of his uh, big playability, and, and it was on display over 200 yards in the first quarter. Uh, I know he had me looking up uh, all-time records pretty, pretty early in that game. He ends up with the seventh best uh, fantasy performance of all time, 57.9 fantasy points. Um, Jerry Rice uh, on the list twice ahead of him. So Jerry Rice had oh, – Jerry what a slouch, Tyreek. Right. Jerry Rice <laughs> two games uh, with – with uh, 59 points or more pretty crazy but uh, that was the best fantasy performance since jimmy smith in the year 2000 so uh, over the past 20 years uh, the the best game from tyreek what was sick ryan was that in the fourth quarter they were playing so far off of them that they could just continue to throw eight yard stop routes to tyreek for first downs on the last play of the game they needed to seal the win and they were playing 15 yards off on third and seven. Yeah. Just an eight-yard stop. He falls down after the catch and wins the game. You can't cover him with one guy, and usually you can't cover him with two. And I don't think he, I don't think he had a catch in the second quarter at all after the big first quarter. So um, he was tired. Pretty crazy to put up <laughs> those kind of numbers. Um, a, f- a fun game to watch. Really, honestly, no dynasty impact from that game. I mean, he's already a guy you're valuing as a top five dynasty wide receiver and games like today are, are of course the high end uh, example of, of why we do that. Yeah. So many big time players in that chiefs offense. Uh, it's, it's a shame they don't have a running back that could come through for dynasty ooh, managers ooh. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the DLF dynasty podcast. We appreciate all of you listening. If you're a subscriber, head over to DLF, hit that button, hit that logo on the on the main page get in on that black friday sale the cyber week sale to extend that uh extend your subscription by a year and if you're not currently a subscriber what better time to check out what we got over there just 29.99 and you get to check out all the great tools all the great articles all the rankings all that adp data that ryan collects for us check it out right now over at dynastyleaguefootball.com for ryan and matt i'm dan thanks for listening we'll catch you again in week 13.